Voice is very, very powerful, and our focus on voice has largely been driven by by two two sort of、uh, drivers. One is the practicality of building an effective machine learning engine、uh, requires you access to high quality data. Stand by, I'll be right there. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number three hundred and thirty-nine. Today is Sunday, the first of September, two thousand and nineteen, and this interview is with Rana Gujral. Rana is the CEO of Behavioral Signals, that delivers a robust emotion AI engine that introduces emotional intelligence into speech recognition technology. Rana has been awarded the Entrepreneur of the Month by CIO Magazine, the U.S. China Pioneer Award by IEIE. And he's recently listed in the Inc. magazine as an AI entrepreneur to watch. In this stimulating conversation with Rana, we look at how he and his team at Behavioral Signals break down emotions via voice. What are the next avenues of development in voice and speech detection, and how so much can be revealed via voice. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Rana Gujral, great to have you on the show. Piped in from sunny, I'm assuming, California.、Um, well, you are an entrepreneur, a speaker, investor, and CEO of Behavioral Signals, which、um, provides software that delivers a robust and Fast-evolving emotion AI engine that introduces emotional intelligence into speech recognition technology. With that introduction, you can tell I was definitely interested to know more about you, Rana. So, in your own words, how would you describe yourself? Thank you, Minter. First off, it's a real pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the invite and opportunity to come here and speak to you and your audience. So, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, I, you know, I, I describe myself as essentially an entrepreneur who is on a perpetual quest、uh, to pursue innovative tech that could then be built into meaningful businesses that add value to the ecosystem, and we create mutual value out of out of that technology. And I've been doing that for a while. Um, I did spend a lot of years on the corporate side, doing really interesting things, build, building really interesting products. I had amazing opportunities be presented to me. I had this amazing opportunity to go turn around a tech company. That was、uh, it was a wonderful experience、uh, to take a company that had、uh, that had a sort of a slip from its pedestal,、uh, its leadership position,、uh, to essentially a point of bankruptcy. Uh, and bringing it all back—that was that was that was an amazing experience. And then I've had the opportunity to go out on my own and build out companies from scratch, and go through that journey of sort of、um, you know creating that value, and that was immensely satisfying.、Uh, behavioral signals、um, is likely the most fun of them all, and what we do is deduce emotions from voice and speech data. We do it as、uh, delivery through a platform, so it's an API SDK that deduces 
specific emotion signals and behavioral signals uh, from from voice conversations, and then we apply those capabilities into specific KPIs. We've also built some very specialized prediction engines. We'll, we'll talk about that later as well. And we we go after interesting use cases in in a diverse set of verticals. So uh, we think of ourselves as a vertical agnostic solution. So we apply those capabilities into health tech, into robotics, virtual assistants, but we also uh, apply it into very tangible use cases in, uh, in, in the contact center, inside sales industry around customer engagement, agent engagement, and maximizing uh, the first call resolution, uh, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting, 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 um, you know, company. Yeah, we, uh, we feel we are at the, at the leading edge of def- redefining the new era of voice interactions and, uh, sort of filling in the missing pieces around intent, around empathy, around engagement and, uh, taking, taking the voice conversation processing from the core tenants of NLP and ASR to, really engagement to really sort of uh, cognitive processing. And that's kind of what we do. And um, I feel so blessed that uh, here I am doing yet another exciting thing. So Rana, in in listening to you, I wonder to what extent Mm -hmm. behavioral signals is exciting to you because it's actually intimately tied with humanity and our emotions. It is. It is intimately tied to humanity and emotions. And the the most fascinating aspect of behavioral signals to me is, uh, you know, when I have been fascinated by AI, uh, like, like a lot of us, uh, like you as well. And in, if you look at AI and the certain, certain specific areas in which AI has progressed, and for me, the most uh, – most interesting uh, sub aspect of that that progression has been around how we interact with inanimate systems, um, and it, it could be a virtual assistant, or it could be uh, a, a robot, or it could be really essentially a simple kiosk at a McDonald's where I'm speaking to a virtualized atten- entity to to give my give my 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 hamburger order and it, it understands how I feel it's making my recommendations and those interactions are going to be very intrinsic um, you know in our lives uh, it is it, they are today with virtual assistants a lot of people use them today but uh, I I don't even think we've reached the point of inflection yet I mean soon we'll be calling into uh, companies to check on our flight status or readjust our itineraries and we'll be speaking to a virtual entity. Uh, we'll be speaking to uh, a conversational robot that uh, that understands everything about us. It understands uh, all of my history. It, it, it speaks to me in the most empathetic manner. It addresses my needs uh, very accurately. It makes zero mistakes. Uh, there's no wait time. Um, <laughs> and I can't even tell if it's a human or non-human. And that's, that's going to happen very soon. And that's fascinating because then now we're pushing into uh, a, a level of user experience that hasn't existed for forever, for decades. And uh, that would be groundbreaking. And so I feel in order to make that happen, in order to get to that point, which I think we're very close to getting to, we have a lot of these other pieces in place. We have we have capable ASR NLP systems in play. We have, all, we have the bandwidth, we have the processing, we have special, special uh, causality engines that, 
can then that that can come out with insights from CRM and from sentiment analysis uh, data and know everything about me. But then it becomes about conversing with me and conversing with me is hard because I'm a human. I'm unpredictable. I have emotions. I'm saying something and I mean something else. And I need you to relate to me uh, as I go, uh, not after the fact. And uh, how do we make that happen? How do we make that happen? And so the emotion engine and the emotion science and especially uh, weaving that into voice conversations and extracting insights from voice conversations and then feeding that back into the responses almost instantaneously. Uh, it, it will be those key ingredients, those missing pieces that, that, that makes those experiences possible. And, and, and we're going to do that and we're doing it and we're bringing that equation to that uh, human to machine conversation and interaction. And uh, what could be more exciting than that? I feel it's not just about, you know, doing things which haven't been done before, but it's also about sort of uh, that. I mean, for me, the business guy in me is really excited about what would that mean for from a user experience standpoint? I mean, that would be very disruptive. It would be very, very groundbreaking and it would change how we expect those interactions to be. It will it'll set a new bar. It will set a new benchmark. Uh, and um, that's super exciting because I think, uh, um, you know, uh, impact like that happens once in a while. And I think we are in a position to affect that. All right. I want to dig in what I was thinking of digging in. But based on what you just said, I mean, my mind is just exploding. The idea of... <laughs> Understanding all these emotions, breaking them down, I suppose, involves tagging them and then in real time feeding them back to the machine so the machine is able to mimic or provide a more appropriate tonality to the person to whom they're speaking or engaging with, if you will, presuming we're in a sort of an oral <laughs> an oral moment, because of course, if we're not oral, we're doing text, it's a very different ball game. But having a, a, a bot that's able to speak back a la Siri, but in a way that immediately incorporates understanding the emotions of the person in front of them and has its own type of inflection so it sounds more real, that's where we're going? We are definitely going there. I think uh, there's there's a lot of hurdles to cross before um, before all of those uh, you know I, I says wish lists become reality. Um, it's 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 one battle to deduce emotions. I mean, it's not easy. Um, affect is still uh, progressing science. I mean, we, I mean, with all we know about affect, uh, there's so much we don't yet, um, and there's there's still areas that we haven't really quite, um, you know, uh, put into perspective or really sort of, uh, you know, really sort of uh, grappled our understanding around. But that being said, um, having an inanimate system actually project emotions uh that's a whole different battle um i i think um i think uh you know those 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 two together would uh completely uh be fantastic and fascinating um but i mean 
I'd be honest. I mean, uh, I'd be happy to crack the first <laughs> All right. part well, uh, in the near future. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more and, pragmatically uh, about what's going on now. And you know, when I when you look at organizations like Affectiva, where they're detecting emotions yeah. through generally through the face, or Limbic AI with Ross Harper looking at emotions through the heartbeat, your focus is on speech and voice. So tell us where we sit. What what is the layer of possibility we're in in the near term in terms of our ability to detect emotions via speech? Yeah, it's uh, so before I before I go into the details of that, um, I mean, one of the questions that that is asked uh, to us a lot is why just voice and why just speech and why would you not take into consideration um, other cues and obviously it's a valid question because we uh, display emotions uh, through a variety of different channels uh, obviously we do it through our voice we obviously do it through our facial expressions our body language and even non-verbal cues by not saying something uh, when something needs to be said through silence sure and it's it's a complex it's a complex set of um, attributes that play into how I feel and how I'm conveying how I feel Voice is very, very powerful, and our focus on voice has largely been driven by by two two sort of uh, drivers. One is the practicality of building an effective machine learning engine uh, requires you access to high quality data, without which most of these things are pipe dreams. You have to have high quality data in relatively uh, specific con- contacts for the domains that you're applying those uh, those problems to, to eventually solve those problems effectively or to a level of accuracy that is acceptable uh, within a business constraint. So it's not an academic exercise. It's, it's, it's solving for a real-life business problem. It's something which uh, companies could bet on and then 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 bring it, bring those experiences to market and that there's a there's a bar around how accurate it needs to be so for us obviously um, you know it's it's a lot easier to get high quality voice data uh, that uh, that is in in specific business context whether whether you're looking at agent client conversations or you're looking at doctor patient conversations uh, and there's, there's, there's a good amount of voice data available, but there's not a lot of uh, visual and video feedback data that, that you could take into processing, including uh, from, from a privacy constraints uh, aspects of it. So, but that being said, uh, what is really exciting is that some of the studies that have come out recently. So, for example, uh, the one which uh, was done by uh, Professor Cross uh, from Yale, and he's, as you know, is a renowned psychologist, um, and he's published a lot of papers. And his his study showed that our sense of hearing may be even stronger than our sight when it comes to accurately detecting emotions. So, in a sense, we become more accurate when we hear someone's voice. Then when we look only at their facial expressions or see their face and hear their voice. So in other words, you can sense someone's emotional state even better over the phone than in person. And that was groundbreaking because we knew it. We had that instinctual sort of feel through towards that because our founders have dedicated two decades of their research in, in processing voice and voice interactions and uh, obviously uh, there's there's a there's a lot of confidence that we've had in terms of sort of focusing on just voice 
But the study was really interesting because the way they way they did this was they took a they took a video feed. So the video feed obviously has the visual piece to it and has the audio piece to it. And they uh, they turned the video part off and they just took the audio of the video feed and processed uh, emotions from it and benchmarked that. And they put a score to it. Then they turned the video on. So now they're looking at the audio. They're, they're hearing the audio and they're looking at the video. And you're now expecting to take uh, data from two different uh, sources. And, uh, and, and, and you expect that accuracy to go higher. What happened was that the accuracy actually went lower and um, the, the score, the final score of uh, deducing emotions from video and audio was lower than the score of deducing uh, emotion just from audio. And so that 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 led to the study, because I think that was the experiment which he did. And it was like, OK, well, this doesn't make sense. Uh, why is this the case? I mean, I'd expect it to be more accurate, not less accurate. And so. One of the realizations there uh, was that we as humans are actually fairly adept in masking our emotions from, uh, from our facial expressions, um, and we can hide things really well, and we can also send out a lot of false alerts. So if I'm, if I'm looking at someone um, and I'm hearing that person as well, I'm sensing something on, uh, through the voice. But I'm also getting some visual cues that sometimes throw me off. I mean, it's giving me a false alert. And, and that's what reduces the accuracy. And so that was really interesting for us because when this study came out last year, uh, we were looking at that. It was like, okay, I mean, this, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, so is this, is this really accurate? I mean, we've done our own little testing around that and, uh, we feel, we feel that, uh, t- our towards our quest, one, I feel obviously, um, you know, um, visual interactions are also going to be fairly key. But before we get to that, audio and uh, voice interactions are going to really be our defining mode of interaction with inanimate systems, with virtual assistants, with a lot of these other entities. And so we're, we're focused on that. And um, in terms of in terms of what we can do with it, um, you know, we can get into the details of that. But that's one of the reasons why we're focused mostly on voice. Wow. <laughs> so um, side note, we're doing a podcast. It's audio and podcasts are booming. And I have to think that one of the reasons why that's happening is exactly what you just talked about, because when people listen to us, they can be jogging in a, a train, commuting, otherwise with their eyes closed, listening to us. And what people tend to appreciate, as long as it's not too, you know, polished and, and pre, you know, post-produced and all that, there's an authenticity to it, which means somehow people feel that like they're getting dialed directly into who we are when we speak. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree. I, I, I completely agree. I, I've never thought through that question in from that context, but I I believe uh, there there is a there's a there's a, there's an aspect to relating to the participants in that conversation in a very intrinsic form uh, when you're listening to to people talk um, and you know and you just queuing on the on those, that conversation versus you're taking into taking into all that other noise that comes into play when you're watching a yeah. video 
So, so Rana, when we, uh, when, we, when we look at voice and speech, uh, I'm going to need to get into voice versus speech. But mm-hmm. when, when we're at looking at a fictiva, they basically have five or six general emotions that they're targeting, you know, the basic emotions uh, and, you know, the ability to explore what is happening later. But when you are starting with your emotion registry, I suppose, which ones are you able to work on the easiest? I mean, your anger or, you know, surprise, ooh, surprise. you know, these are ones that you're going to get a little bit more, uh, you know, easy inflection and obviousness to them. But, you know, uh, quizzical, ooh, hmm. you know, the, these other sounds, by the way, that must go into understanding the emotions behind, you know, how, how do you chart the emotions with regard to speech and voice? Yeah, I mean, um, the question, um, you know, it's a valid question to say, well, how, how many of these emotions can actually be even captured? Um, and uh, I think it's hard to have to give specific uh, numbers in terms of uh, can we can we capture 10 or 20 or 15 or even percentage wise. Sure, um, But um, I'd say. You know, to the best of my knowledge, we're still missing uh, a scientific study of, uh, I'd say, of sufficient scale and universality, which would allow us to confidently link emotions that someone feels to what becomes observable after all. Like, I mean, culture, a specific emotion, age. I mean, think of young children. Sadness and anger can potentially become very obvious from their speech mm-hmm. and specificities of the situation, like someone's on the phone. They're sitting or not. They know the person they're talking to, except our factors, which could affect what becomes observable after all. And so, I mean, it's, you know this. I mean, emotional expressions are multimodal in essence. And there are situations in which a person's emotions may be more easily detected in their speech and others in which uh, face will give their emotions away. So, um, I mean, and, or it will be body language in other cases. So how much of our emotions will go into voice or be observable into other modalities can be highly variant. Um, and I think, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'd say I'll admit that the optimal approach for detecting emotions would need to account for all modalities, including the content of what is being said. I mean, the actual words itself. Uh, but that said, voice remains a very superior mode for deducing emotions. Uh, what, what we have focused on is uh, a variety of uh, emotion and behavioral signals. I mean, we, we, uh, we anchor on positivity. We, we look at that a lot. Uh, we look at specific emotional signals like anger, happiness, sadness, and neutrality. Those, those are the ones which are our main area of focus. Uh, we also, we also cue into engagement and empathy. We cue into politeness. We cue into agitation. And those those are the main areas. Like I'd say, you know, one of the things which um, we haven't quite queued into yet, uh, but we're working on is sarcasm. And it's hard. Sarcasm is much harder because it's it's also uh, very culture specific. And, you know, my methodology of displaying sarcasm could be very different from someone from a completely different uh, cultural background or country. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so so those it becomes a little bit more complex. So in terms of um, 
what we go after is uh, the the specific signals that I, ta- I talked to you about. Like, so again, just sort of reiterate positivity, em- specific emotion signals like anger, happiness, sadness, and neutrality, um, engagement and empathy. Those are very relevant uh, behavioral cues uh, that 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 are very very relevant for the for the business KPIs that we apply to, um, and uh, of course, pol- politeness and agitation, etc. So I hope, when you, hope that answers some of Yes, it does. It does. It does. So when you are, when behavioral signals is working, you're mm. tending to focus more on the voice rather than the words coming out of my mouth. So if I were to say, I am really happy, but I sound more sad or angry, um, you're more interested about the voice tonality as opposed to the words coming out of my mouth, or are you working on both at the same level? Now, that's a great question. And we, what we do is basically analyze speech, um, in the following dimension, among others, but these are the main ones. So a subset of the measurements that we make, um, or essentially the features that we extract on speech are, are essentially split in, um, you know, the dimensions of pitch and strength variation. So intonations, uh, speaking rate, uh, pauses and overlaps. Um, and this is what essentially emotions uh, get broken it down into. And these are the features which are then fed into a classifier and decides which emotions is there, if any. So at the end of it, at the, at the core of it, a lot of it is hidden in the tone of the voice, pitch and energy. In general, prosody uh, carries a lot of that information. But also tons of other cues contribute that are hidden in a black box we call machine learning or AI. And that, that's, those are specific classifiers we, we build around uh, a specific uh, KPI that we're going after. In terms of the ratio, I'd say vast majority of our focus is on intonations. Uh, we, do, we do take into account um, the actual words itself. I mean, the, the what, which, what I'd like to say, the what part of what is being said. Um, and the, the speech to text ASR uh, translates into like if you, but I'd say that the the, the focus is uh, limited uh, on that area. I'd say if I had to uh, had to put a ratio on it, I'd say twenty percent on the word part and uh, and about eighty um, percent on the tonality, and that then that allows us. Uh, to have a capability that's largely language agnostic. Um, mm. you, you could easily port these engines into uh, different languages and different cultural contexts. I mean, obviously, you have to have to baseline it for a specific culture and a specific domain. But once that baseline is uh, created, uh, the engine works fairly effectively. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the variations... Yeah. It makes total sense, Rana, that you are breaking it down like that. And to the extent you can sort of constrain your area of uh, research and and application, it allows us to create a database that's cleaner. And and then of course, in the end of the day, one day there might be this Uber thing where behavioral signals is one portion of the bigger, you know, one which has facial uh, heartbeats and so on. But uh, it, it, as you construct this, it makes total sense in any event to have a, a confined space where you're working on, because otherwise you have too many variables and you just it's just too much of a mess. Is that fair? Yes, I, 
I agree. I think, uh, I think, uh, yes. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I agree with you. I, that's all, okay. all right, cool. Yeah. So listen, I want to want to yeah. talk about how behavioral signals works or how you're working with other companies or platforms. Give us an idea of how, let's say, you get a client with behavioral signals where where you are being presumably white labeled into platforms, might be customer service agents. Give us an idea of, of where you're going that way. Sure. Well, we offer a capability um, in, in a form of emotion as a service, and it's it's an SDK, it's an API, so essentially it's a platform. So think of ourselves as a very specialized TensorFlow like offering, on top of which interesting products can be built. The way we bring this to market is we we tune our uh, our offering towards a variety of uh, specific industry KPIs. When we sell into inside sales and contact centers, we go after specific KPIs such as um, monitoring agent engagement, monitoring client engagement, uh, doing specific things such as matching the right agent to the right customer when a customer calls in based on the state of mind. We, 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 we go after specific use cases such as uh, compliance and the post-call analysis, which is, which is classifying a conversation into a good conversation or a bad conversation. And then, and then breaking down uh, in a, conversa- a bad conversation into where it started to become, become bad, what led it to become uh, bad or vice versa, be good. All those things can be extremely beneficial from both maximizing call interaction outcomes and also uh, agent coaching and uh, agent retention and all of those value that's coming. Specialized tools that are focused towards sales acceleration. So, for example, you are in a conversation with a client and you are being guided around how the conversation is progressing while you are talking uh, to the client. So it's, it's a live processing of the, the, the conversation. And the guidance comes in, in the form of, hey, you're speaking too fast, you're speaking too slow, or the client sounds angry, or you sound angry. And, and for the most part, a lot of these cues uh, are expected to be naturally processed by humans. But when you are in the, in the in the middle of the action and you're doing your hundredth call a day, uh, you're missing a lot of these cues. So you're, these are helper agents that help you be more effective in your job. Um, some of the some of the more exciting things that we have bring, brought to market for in, in this domain is uh, specialized prediction engines. So we we build prediction engines uh, around specific use cases. So one of the big wins we've had is we've worked with a uh, leading speech analytics company. It's, it's a company that's the number one in the Gartner Magic Quadrant, and they operate heavily in the debt collection market. And so they presented a problem, uh, a challenge ahead, uh, ahead of us. And they said, look, we have these conversations. And uh, could you predict the outcome uh, based on based on processing those conversations? So we built a prediction engine that predicts a propensity to pay. And we're, we've been able to predict uh, if the debt holder is going to pay or not pay their debt with over an 82% accuracy simply simply by 
analyzing that 10 to 15 minute voice interaction, not taking into consideration any any CRM feeds or any sentiment analysis feeds, just simply looking at that, uh, processing that voice conversation saying, okay, based on this conversation, we predict the debt holder is going to either pay or not pay. And that's about 82% accurate. And that's a game changer for these companies because it's essentially a crystal ball. And looking at the crystal ball, they can decide how to proceed. So we've applied those capabilities into a propensity to pay engine that, that can be applied into inside sales. Etc. Etc. So that's wow. that's there's all the stuff in the inside sales uh, contact center world in the, that that translates into customer experience and uh, agent engagement. Now, when we when we apply the tech into other verticals, uh, for example, health tech, and very exciting space, um, and we are just sort of scratching the surface of what's possible. One of our clients is a company that uh, has a platform that, uh, that, that caters to patient, uh, patients with depression. And it's a, it's a major epidemic, and that leads into a lot of, uh, lot of uh, suicides, uh, which is, again, a huge problem in the developed world. They, so they, they're using the tech to uh, predict a propensity for suicidal behavior. So we're predicting who is more, you know, uh, more likely, sort of uh, pro, pro, yeah. prone or more likely to uh, to commit suicide based on analyzing the voice interactions between a doctor and a patient, um, and that's groundbreaking. And uh, so those those are the things which we apply into. Now um, I, I touched on this before. The big kahuna, the sort of. Uh, the, I, I, I'd say that the aspect which makes me the most excited about the application of this tech is in, in bringing the human to machine interactions uh, to a new level. So we have the ability to uh, allow uh, Alexa or Google or Cortana or for that matter, uh, a, a robot that's, uh, that's designed to be a caregiver and, uh, or a personal companion inside your home to have the same abilities to understand uh, the cognitive state of mind and the intent behind the words and react more empathetically and react more meaningfully and have more meaningful conversations. Um, and and those, those are the capabilities. So we're working with a few players in the robotic space and the virtual assistant space, and we're build, bringing those capabilities uh, into, into, into those interactions. So we we're, you know, we're we're playing in a variety of different verticals, um, and uh, we're still we're still discovering new uh, new applications as we as as we go along, and so it's 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 very exciting. It most certainly is, and uh, I, I know that I, um, I I was finding that uh, speaking about a suicide hotlines, a caller yeah. of a suicide hotline. Uh, is five times more likely to hang up if the person who answers the phone doesn't to them seem empathic. So yeah. there's definitely cues that you could help in there. Well, Rana, the time has just gone cruising too fast for me. I have a million more questions, but time I'm is sure of the essence is. and uh, I, I promised an on-time departure. So fascinating stuff, Rana. I mean, I love this notion of layering into empathy, engagement, politeness, state of mind. And uh, I, I feel like the avenues for and opportunities for 
your business are are massive. And I also enjoyed discovering with you this insight within the podcasting. So huge experience for me. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Rana, how can someone find more about behavioral signals or even get in touch, follow you, track you down? What, what's your preferred route? Yeah, there's, there's a variety of ways uh, that people can connect with us, and I hope they do. Uh, we have an open API program that is especially uh, focused towards uh, and is geared towards uh, students, academicians, uh, individual developers who are looking to use this technology towards interesting use cases. And I encourage you to come visit our webpage. It's uh, Behavioral Signals. It's spelled with the American spelling of behavior. So it's you. A B E H A no you B E H A V I O R A L signals dot com. Uh, please come visit um, and uh, sign up uh, for the API program. Our team will get in touch with you. You should be able to download and test it out and play with it. Outside of that, you know, uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, either through a web page or through through my social media at Rana Gujral at Twitter. Or ranagudral.com. You can come reach reach with me personally on my website, and I'm happy to ideate. I'm always happy to connect with uh, people who have interesting ideas, even contrary ideas. Uh, that that those are even more important to me. So um, you know, uh, if you find this interesting, and if you're uh, working in this space, or if you'd like to work in this space, and you would like to talk and and interact, uh, I'd love to talk to you. Superlative, Rana. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful experience. Thank you, Mentor. Likewise, a real pleasure. And again, I appreciate the invite to be here at your uh, podcast. Pleasure shared. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man. What's
wrong with challenge? I know soon we all die. I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger to feel free. Trust in my reason and let me show you why. I'm a convinced man practicing my lines. I'm a best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.